Hello and welcome back to the Future Work Life podcast. Thank you for all the wonderful messages from people who've listened to my conversation with Daniel Pink about regret over the past week. If you enjoyed that show, then please make sure you subscribe to the Future Work Life newsletter as well. I'll be writing about the theme of regret this week and how that relates to decisions we make in our work lives, specifically why we can use the mental model of anticipating regret to help remove fear from taking a big leap in your career. Now, the theme of my new book, Work Life Flywheel, which is published in January 2023, is reimagining your career without fear. As well as the fantastic podcast interviews you've heard over the past months, I've been deep into the research phase for the book since the start of the year. I've spoken to all sorts of people from different industries and backgrounds, and everybody has a unique story to tell about the decisions they've made in their careers. I've loved the process. In the book, I'll be breaking down why building a work-life flywheel is the most effective tool to set yourself up for sustainable success in the new world of work. And it's on that latter point where we begin today's podcast, which is a bite-sized conversation with Cleo Sham, partner at Stride, the UK-based early-stage venture capital firm. Now, before joining Stride in 2021, Cleo's illustrious career took her from McKinsey to Merrill Lynch before becoming general manager of Uber in China. She scaled the business from 3,000 to 4 million weekly trips in a 700 million run rate. She subsequently ran Uber's ride-sharing business in Europe, Middle East and Africa before moving to Spotter Home, a Series B stage prop tech marketplace. And after two years there, she took what was, I'm sure, a much-deserved and needed sabbatical before jumping from operator to investor at Stride. We had a great conversation in which we talked about managing stress and burnout in startups, the most exciting theme she sees in workforce tech, the types of transferable skills that are important for people pivoting their career, and the importance of creativity for founders and investors. Now, I'll have more of these bite-sized conversations with fascinating people like Cleo sprinkled into the next few series of this podcast. So make sure you subscribe to get every episode in your podcast player of choice. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Cleo Sham. I started by asking her whether the nature of startup life places such high expectations for growth on founders and founding teams that strain is inevitable. And as a result of that, whether it's even possible to achieve success without burning out. I think it is possible. That's is a short answer. But anyone who chooses to take the entrepreneurial path, be it starting a company or working a startup, should expect to work probably more than the average person and probably a lot more than the average person and and be okay with that level of commitment and then with that as sort of the understanding the the question is whether you're able to then strike a balance between not really strike a balance but like really find find the right way to make it work for yourself uh, and looking at it as a marathon versus a sprint i think maybe a decade ago there was a lot of pride in like silicon valley culture to be constantly sort of on your on the red line um on your own red line pushing your own boundaries and you know how and and thinking about how how you could function on very little sleep and and like always on you know that was sort of the culture but over time i think there's been a lot of research and also people's experience have shown that that is that leads to you know suboptimal outcomes in the long term right because building mm. a business typically a startup takes say 10 years to build and so imagine if your journey is going to be 10 years then you know constantly it's like constantly sprinting and getting injured and basically redlining course correcting is probably a less efficient way of going about it than looking at it as a marathon. Right. So yeah. yeah I've, and, and I think founders who have families and kids may sometimes be 
more able to strike that balance because it's in some ways forced upon them. And that when they're with their kids, they they might need to just be more present. Like being mentally present when you're not working is actually really helpful, right? Even if you don't take long breaks, mm -hmm. just just by the by virtue of focusing on being on a break when you're on that break increases the quality of that rest time so much that I I found it you know hugely helpful. And and so I think with founders too, hopefully that's that's something people are doing more of nowadays like you know going going hiking outdoors for example on uh on a weekend even if you're not taking really really long vacations you know could yeah could be great this is a bit of a cliche but life does fly by very quickly but particularly so when you are on a mission for something and that you know that might be starting your own business but it doesn't have to be lots of people immersed in their work or in their relationships and I think almost just taking the time to take a step back and reflect. I wonder whether in the future, part of that process of avoiding burnout is just taking some regular time to reflect and chart our progress. Yeah, totally. I mean, some people call it mental health days or some people call it, but some people like to meditate every day, right? Like regardless of what, what format you choose, I think it's important to give yourself that space to step back and yeah. do it. With your investor hat on, there's obviously loads of innovation around tech related to the world of work. And it might be, how do we account for more of a hybrid workforce? It might be around asynchronous communication. There was already a trend towards mental health products and wellbeing products. But I think now we've been, all, we've been spread out and distributed and people are now having to fend for themselves in a, in a certain way. We're seeing even more of those technologies emerge. Where do you see opportunities for entrepreneurs within this space? Are there certain categories that you see as being the, the biggest opportunities for growth over the next few years? Yeah, there are quite a few themes that I, I find to be quite promising. Right, So there's the, as I mentioned earlier, like remote employment. I think a company, a few companies have already grown to be quite large in that space, just enabling employers to hire um, full-time employees from anywhere in the world and there's you know it's a large enough market to accommodate more than one unicorn for sure and then there's around like equipping workforces around the world I think there are two big companies doing that one of which we have backed called Hoffi and another called First Space that you know is responsible for ensuring the work from home experience um, for an employee is physically as high quality as they would get in the office be it the chair that you're using the equipment the computer that you're using or the desk and, and actually enabling that is, is a difficult problem to solve involving you know complex supply chain um, issues and then another one is around collaboration right uh, and asynchronous work be it over video or you know like like the zoom type of video conferencing uh, or or events like hopin or or be it loom where it's like you know recording asynchronous videos and sharing and i've seen a few more startups that are innovating and and making tweaks to to the experiences that existing products are offering. And then there's a lot around like just knowledge sharing and knowledge management. Like Rome Research is a great one that, that enables teams to all take notes and, and sort of connect with each other in a very lateral and dynamic sort of way. Yeah, and obviously Notion is a popular tool, but there's like a few more, I think, new ones that are that are coming out, looking at that theme as well. And then there's also B2B mental health platforms and B2B sort of like family planning types of fertility related platforms that are all um, seeing quite a bit of growth as I think the, the key theme here is that employers are increasingly recognizing that the well-being of their employees are important 
And yeah. in order for them to stay competitive and responsible in this increasingly competitive world for talent, they are increasingly willing to spend and invest on, on those benefits for the employees, right? Be it yeah. fertility treatments or, or like mental health, you know, paying for therapists or, or other types of support. So those are definitely areas of growth as well. There's a couple of companies I'll mention, like Almanac, doing a good job of kind of sharing knowledge and providing a tool to do that. Also, there's a company called Murmur, which offers mm. something so anybody listening there's a few options i'll put some I'll, I'll write an article about it at some point and put some stuff in there but some good tips there i'm interested and this kind of overlaps a little with what we're talking there but so there is also i'd suggest the trend towards what's been called the decoupling of work from employment in basic terms more people are deciding to go it alone in some way freelance contract certainly the idea that traditional idea of a job for life it doesn't exist anymore. We're seeing more movement in the market. I think we're probably also seeing a kind of divergence at the top of the market. We're seeing you know, really in-demand skills and roles, which suddenly people can name their price on salary. But there is a general trend towards people working more independently and autonomously. I wonder how you think about that. And you mentioned community earlier on. I wonder, first of all, whether you do recognize that there's a a trend away from full-time employment towards more people going it alone. And then if that's the case, if we, if we assume that's the unbundling of employment from businesses, do we see rebundling in terms of those social connections we want to build through new types of communities? Definitely. I think I'm seeing both. I think with regards to, I guess, people going it alone and, and becoming more so contractors, freelancers, like, yeah, I've seen quite a few of my ex-colleagues or friends who are taking that path. And some of it could be temporary because they're taking time off between jobs and like trying to make use of what they've learned and, and be integrated with the ecosystem in a different way. And there's obviously like the Great Brexit Nation that we've all read about. So some of those trends are definitely definitely true and then with regards to the community yeah i'm hearing from you know a couple of ex-colleagues and friends of mine who, who started a company called yayam which is like you call it a physical and and experience-based community for people who have flexibility to to travel and work where they want and the community could be between locals who live in a given area um say on the outskirts of lisbon with like digital nomads or professionals who spend time in that area and, and those communities can definitely get to know each other and bond in the context of their their club right this is a members club essentially and and you see definitely from from what i've what i've heard from the founders is is that there's definitely a desire for for people who have that flexibility and people maybe who are you know mid-career or or in their mid-30s who are you know, quite flexible and making enough uh, money to support themselves and and work wherever they choose. Like there's desire for people like that to meet others who are similar in terms of mindset and like being internationally, you know, flexible and, and, yeah. and curious, right? So that's just one example. But overall, I think we're definitely seeing more, more activity, I think, outside of work as well in terms of community building. Yeah. Um, I'm jumping topics a little bit here. I'll jump back to the startups or scale-ups that, that you might work with. So there's this obviously universally understood idea of pivoting now. It's probably an overused word in many ways, but it's relevant because the stats show that very rare is it that a business begins and ends up in the same place. So there's lots of testing of ideas and refining of business models. How often do you see businesses pivot? Is it an inevitability? And a follow-on question from that related to pivoting, 
when you're investing in somebody, are you investing in them or are you investing in the idea? Sure. I think uh, pivoting is something we, we do see. And I would say maybe in less than half of, of the companies that I that I look at, but it's still not uncommon. But And I guess it also depends on your definition of pivoting. Is it like a complete change of industry space, right? Or or, a, or a, like a tweak of a of a given idea. The tweaking we definitely see a lot of, right? And then completely changing the space. Like we've seen that, we do see that as well. So in the end, you know, because of, I think we're ultimately backing founders, we're, we're trying to back amazing people. And with the teams, I think it's often a case of, you know, do you think that this founder or this team is one that, that could go and solve like a, a problem, right? That they feel passionate about. Like, do they have that fire and like that passion mm. and that ability in them? to really impact a space and to really disrupt a space. And then the next question there is like, whether you think they have the kind of growth mindset or ability to learn or the trajectory to to adapt as as like they enter different environments and situations. Like are they are they constantly learning? Are they are they agile like mentally? You know, are they self-aware and, and are they yeah like are they great at executing, right? I think those are some of the, the key components yeah. um, that I a key like, yeah, components I would look for in, in a founding team. And then hopefully, you know, the team and, and their experiences or or um, their their passions are a great fit for the problem that they're tackling. So that's like a founder problem fit or the founder market fit. Hopefully that is also there. And, and that's usually you know, quite ideal if the founder is already very familiar with a space. But of course, we've also seen great businesses get built by founders who did not come from that same space. Yeah. So both are possible. So I think ultimately it, it's really about the people. I think that's still the most important um, thing for us to consider and look at. Yeah. I'm really interested in what you were talking about there. So I ran a business for 10 years within digital advertising. I've effectively over the past two years completely pivoted my career to looking at the future of work but it's quite a difficult transition actually it's difficult to convert your reputation from one industry or one category to another so i get the the challenge people have i think when they're thinking about a career transition often is is the fear of taking a new step particularly when you're mid-career as you suggested there's opportunities of being mid-career if you're financially flexible and you've got financial freedom to an extent in that you earn money you can make decisions like move to the outskirts of lisbon and put up shop there and by the way i've i know a few people have specifically gone to lisbon so when you said that i was thinking oh maybe it's the same people or maybe there's just a burgeoning startup community there but i think for lots of people pivoting their career there is a bit of a fear they're like well am i going to start from scratch is this knowledge transferable are my skills transferable so it's interesting that you say that it can be done, but I wonder what types of skills do you need to be carrying over to be able to quickly get up to speed in another industry? Because there's only so many things you can learn in a short space of time, right? Yeah. And I've definitely seen a lot of, say, for example, functional skill sets are very transferable, I think, across different industry spaces. So if you were um, like an operator in a I don't know, like a marketplace startup, you can probably transition over to like a, another kind of startup, like pretty, pretty easily and not, yeah. not easily, but like you say, it's not like, for example, for me, transitioning from ride sharing into a prop tech marketplace, like both are marketplaces and both are consumer facing marketplaces. And there's definitely a lot of experiences and, and playbooks or knowledge that is transferable with regards to how to scale a marketplace or how to build, build great teams or how to scale processes, you know, those are definitely transferable across industries, I think. And I think, I think a lot of it's 
and you could be an HR professional or a finance professional or um, or somebody who's an expert in growth marketing and to be able to take that skill set across uh, different industry verticals. I think so. I think there's probably a, a bit more flexibility there than than it looks on the surface. And I think a lot of it comes from self awareness as well. Like if if you're able to figure out what you are good at and also what you enjoy doing, and then find a job or or create a job for yourself that that um, makes use of that, then I think that's that's great, right? And and oftentimes yeah. you're it's hard to take a step back and and figure that out without without making time and space for it. So to our point earlier around like, you know regularly making time to reflect and and just like. Yeah, taking stock of what you've learned and what you've achieved or and, and what you're good at, I think is, is also quite quite important as if you want to get to a place where you, you could be comfortable with making a big change. Completely agree. And the other thing to remember is a startup has a team, a founding team, and the right combination are people who fill the gaps in your knowledge or expertise. And that's the advantage of when you're putting a team together. If you, you're noticeably weaker in certain areas, first of all, having the awareness to acknowledge it is important, but then you make sure you get somebody in who's absolutely a superstar at that part and then you start building complementarity in, in the relationship so that's i think some encouragement for people who are thinking about taking taking that big step but worried about how to go about it one final question i wanted to ask you so i'm obsessed with the idea of creativity in all jobs really people think some people automatically jump to creativity only being relevant in the arts say but i think people then start acknowledging that there's maybe an inherent creativity in coding if you're an engineer or developer that you've got to be imaginative in the way that you you write code but i think it applies to every role when i was hiring i wanted creative people you know you need to be able to deliver and execute but creativity is really important i wonder how you think about it is it important to the way you work it's something you've consciously thought about in the way that you've worked over the years definitely i i'm I'm very aligned with you in that sense. I think creativity is important in every line of work, just because there's so much you can, it, there's so much lateral thinking and like inspiration that you could draw from different experiences that you can then apply to whatever you're doing. It applies both in, if if you're looking at what I've done in work in the past, it applied both in the operating role and in investing, you know, and and also for entrepreneurs that that we meet. I think so. For example, in operating, taking kind of a, the Uber experience or the Spot Home experience, I think we basically used a lot of creativity and threw a lot of ideas at the wall um, to see what stuck when we were initially building Uber in China, because we were in a place where the Uber brand wasn't known at all by by the people there and wasn't recognized. And so, how do you then, you know, bring bring the brand to the people in a way that really connects with the end users in, in a given market? And so we tried so many different campaigns partnerships we, we built our own video games viral games to to spread the word about about the service we filmed like you know independent like videos that went viral you know there's so many things you could try uh, in terms yeah. of like you, you can call it growth hacking but you know there's so many different ways to to scale a business when when creativity can be applied and then in venture i think it's about it's really about seeing what's possible when you encounter an entrepreneur and when you meet a team and, and you get exposed to all these different ideas, right? Uh, it's It really requires you, you know, when you're going in that early and taking that risk, it, it's really about imagining what's possible. And so when you think about the concept of disruption, it's also inherently requires entrepreneurs being able to solve problems differently 
and tackle yeah. them from a different angle than than in the past. And so I think creativity definitely is plays a very core role in that. Yeah, and then with founders too, I think um, the ability for them to to see around corners or being and if they were creative, they also have much more of a potentially a can-do mindset and a, and a fresh take on a given space that could be old and stale, right? So I think creativity is definitely very important in everything that we do. I agree. And actually creativity and experimentation kind of go hand in hand for me on that. The classic not being afraid to fail and not getting it right the first time really applies to it. And I think that's culturally, you can tell within organizations that have built a, a really great culture of testing and you know constantly iterating and, and never being afraid to come up with a with an idea how however obscure it initially seems i think that's characterizes the great places i've worked for sure yeah and i think giving giving people that room to to test things and mm. potentially make mistakes is, is important like make, giving people a safe space to do so and having a culture that that measures and and also sh- like likes to share and celebrate some of those experiments i think would be would, really helpful in bringing the best out of your team as well and that was my conversation with cleo sham now over the next couple of episodes i'll be focusing on talent specifically what trends we're seeing in the recruitment market and what innovations are emerging that will change the way we think about work in the future until then make sure you subscribe to the newsletter i'll put a link in the show notes as usual and have a great week